0: Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on
1: 1049 The Horn. It is a new theme Thursday edition of Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. And the new theme for today is all about the NBA Finals. That's when Patrick takes jam song selections that are supposed to give Harsh and I clues, hints, breadcrumbs that lead us to the new theme of the day. Uh, And Harsh got it pretty easy. NBA Finals. We know my man Patrick's really excited about it, so all the songs will reference a theme, a storyline, a player in the NBA Finals, and this one's pretty simple.
2: Yeah. All right. William Smith.
1: You're damn right it is.
2: Welcome William. to Miami. <laughs>
1: hey, so you said what you're about, uh, Will Smith, though, but when he used to make, uh, the movies, especially like, uh, earlier on in his career, he would make a little jam for the soundtrack on
2: some of his movies, too. Bad Boys.
1: Men in Black.
2: Yep, yep. Uh, Wild, Wild Wild West. Wild Wild West.
1: He was, and that that was a throwback move, because that was, yeah. was some people did, like, way back in, like, the 80s and stuff like yep. that, and he would do it, and honestly, we know people consider Will Smith to be kind of corny, but he, he would do a pretty good job. And he makes know, jams. Uh, they, they, you he know, made jams. He made jams that people would rock him. And honestly, I say this all the time, Will Smith, he, he's essentially what the rock has become to wrestlers. He is that to all rappers. Every rapper. from all time now wants to follow the blueprint that he laid out that when you reinvent yourself and you transform essentially because nobody likes old rappers kind of like old strippers and old running backs you're geriatric as a rapper once you're like 35 (laughs) um you got to transform right you got to become something else you can't be rapping about the same stuff when you're a grandfather and most of them are transforming into actors and that's Mm -hmm. why you get ice cube and Ice T and Hell, man! Now the ra- you know basically a uh, common don't even rap no more.
2: He's just acting. He just acts. Yeah, you ever seen
1: that? Common he just might acts. make a couple guest appearances, but yeah, yeah. But he just acting. I'm like, damn, common. He just acting now. So commons on it. I mean, rap, A lot of rappers have taken that route now, um, and I think a-, a lot of wrestlers now kinda taking that route too. And I think the Rock is their goal. He wasn't the first to do it, but he did it the best. No. And that's how Will Smith, Will Smith was the first and the
2: best. Though. I, don't, I was trying to say, he was, first was and the best. I think he was the first real crossover rapper. There's no rapper doubt. There's no question. Slash actor slash. producer. Yeah. I mean, he did a little bit of everything. And his yeah. name is Willard. You are correct. His name is Willard. He's a Willard? He's a Willard. Wow. I did not know he was a Willard. And he is of a the William. second. Oh,
1: he's a Willard. And he's the second. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, someone said LL Cool Yeah, LL Cool crossed over. I don't know if LL Cool crossed over first. Yeah, I'm not sure. But LL Cool is another one. But I'm I don't know if LL Cool crossed over first. He he might have at some point because LL Cool J was also old school and he did it too. I'll give LL Cool props because what
2: was it? Crush Groove. They were in Crush Groove.
1: Yeah. So LL Cool It, might, it yeah. might have done it first. And I said I don't know if he did it first, but he did the best in terms of Will yeah, Smith. Yeah, yeah. He did the best. So I said Rock did do it first. And Hulk Hogan was trying to cross over remember No Holes Barred, the movie?
3: Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean when did it, when it Ice Cube do it in ninety one? Boys in the Hood. Yeah, Boys in the Hood. I think that yeah. was his first one. Yeah, for him. That's early, that's early too. i saying ninety one.
1: That were pretty early. I, guess. I mean, I
3: when it was New Jack City? Oh, with Ice T. Yeah, Ice Cube probably that, was the one. Yeah. And Ice T. Colors. colors. Yeah, he was before that. Yeah, yeah Colors.
1: And like I said, I, I said, I'm not. I don't know if he did it the the best. I don't know if he did it the the first, but he did. He definitely did it the best. But a lot of rappers have taken. That path. I like Uh, it. Shout out to Willard. Didn't know that till today. Willard. Willard. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) Uh, All right. Let's talk about the NBA Finals, gentlemen. We'll get to the breaking news. Sorry for those who haven't heard. Uh, Breaking news: The SEC has settled on a scheduling format for the time being, and for the time being, they have decided, you know, that they are going to uh, go with the eight-game format right now. Eight, mm-hmm. eight game format there uh so we'll get into that and in Roger round round the day i'll just table what i have for Roger round round the day for later and we'll dive deep into the scheduling format of the sec and give you all the details of them scheduling for the 2024 season when texas will join the sec on an eight game format instead of the nine game format we'll break that all down for you all right let's get into uh the nba finals discussion here uh gentlemen start breaking this down so I know uh, both of you seem to be really confident uh, on the Denver Nuggets uh, ability to not only win this series, but dominate this series. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are picking Denver in a sweep or a gentleman sweep. I've heard both, and I think I've heard both from you guys too. I'll throw this little stat out there just to kind of show you what a uh, kind of David and Goliath matchup this is between the Miami Heat and eight seed and the Denver Nuggets, uh, which was the best team in the Western Conference. So if you go look at the – and I got these numbers from DraftKings – So uh, you can take from DraftKings. Uh, The Heat, at one point, could have changed now, but this was yesterday. They were plus 320 to win the NBA Finals. Those were their odds uh, per DraftKings. If they won, based on those odds, they beat Denver in the NBA Finals. It will be the second biggest NBA Finals upset since 1969. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what the biggest is? You guys probably remember it. Uh, 2004, the L.A. Lakers uh, the Pistons were at plus five hundred uh, and ended up beating the Lakers. There we go. And that was that. I remember that one. That was that was mind blowing. I was like, how the hell? Because <laughs> Detroit, they were kind of a non descriptive They didn't have any true stars. They had Chauncey Billups, Chauncey
3: and Rip, Rip Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, I
1: mean, they were a good team. Yeah, because they, Cause they
3: played the Spurs in the finals too. Yeah, they were a good team. They were supposed to beat the Lakers though. Not yeah. that Lakers no, Lakers team. right? That was no. Like, Lakers close to that Yeah, line. that was when they had the Wallace's in the front with Rashid yeah. and Ben. No, they were tough. But everyone's like, Hard Ben knows. Wallace can't guard them because he's too short. Yeah. All right. Yeah.
1: So, Bam Adebayo's got hope. <laughs> but, it's again, Bam ain't
3: going to be guarding Jokic. <laughs> he will sometimes. He will sometimes. He will but sometimes. you need him to roam or else everyone Jamal Murray's going to eat you up and, and Michael Porter Jr. Can get inside. And it... The problem is, there is no good way to guard Jokic. Like, no. that's how yeah. good he is. That basically. No, man, you put in Udonis Haslem and you start a fight. Pretty uh, yeah, but you got to You do to do that yeah. early. Well, no, because listen,
1: AD a- we AD was defensively was playing at a really high level when Jokic and him faced off, and he actually had some experience versus Nikola Jokic in the playoffs. So the assumption was, man, uh, you know he'll be able to at least have some success defensively because he's got such a you know such a long wingspan. He's such an athletic freak. Uh, Jokic had his way with yep. Anthony Davis. Yes, he did. And the and, and you do look at it. I, it's crazy because Miami doesn't play Denver much. They only play them like twice a year because they're in different conferences, of course. But, man, Miami's been dominated by Denver. Yeah, Denver is eleven and three versus Miami in the last seven seasons. Nine and one versus Miami uh, since twenty eighteen nineteen season, and six and zero versus Miami in the last three years. Yeah and a little bit of they
2: have not won there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, they just no they they've dominated. They really have. They they've dominated uh Miami. And the little bit of sample size that I and I got this from um from nba.com. You go look at the sample size of Bam Adebayo versus Nikola Jokic just just them going at it um last 3 years. So you got those set 6 0 oh, uh record that i just mentioned Denver versus Miami the last 3 years. Um, And you take all the minutes, so fifty-two. they have 44 minutes total of them facing off against each other. We're talking about Jokic and Bam, him as the primary defender on Jokic. And Jokic has, in those 44 minutes, he has 52 points and 25 assists. (laughs) And he's shooting damn near 58% Mm,
2: mm, mm.
1: against Bam as the primary defender.
2: So, it, and Bam's an elite defender. That's why this goes back to what Patrick said. <laughs> he is not going to be on him. He's dead or not. Bam's an elite
1: defender. We're not talking about Bam. Oh, man, he struggles versus yeah. Bam. No, Bam's elite as a defender, and those are Bam's. Those are Jokic's numbers versus Bam. He has shot 58% from the field versus Bam. Going in to last destroy years. him. It's. Yeah. Like I said, I, and I know they, if they want to play zone to zones. not going to work versus Jokic. No. No, because you got to put a body on him.
3: Because volume. again, he just can't get too close to the basket or that percentage is through the roof when he gets that close to the basket. Now what helps is if you if Kevin Love, you know, musters up some of that age and is able to go inside and bump with him a little bit, and you're able to have Kevin Love, you know, basically put a body and then bam out of bio was able to help off of Kevin Love so that when Jokic is turning around and does the move, he's then got to deal with a shot blocking bam. Mm-hmm. Now, he can find the other guy, and you're going to have to deal with that as well, but that's something you can try a little bit more. But that that's where it goes. It goes, is it Kevin Love that comes in and is a guy that can at least take some minutes guarding Jokic? Yeah, you're going to, you're going to have to do that because,
1: um, I mean, because it, you have to throw the kitchen sink at the guy. Right and and really just kind of hope he's off his game. And I went uh, researched because we know that the Miami Heat played more zone than any other team, arguably in NBA history. <laughs> uh, this past season, they yes. played a ton of it, and they've played a ton of it in the NBA playoffs. Uh, 178 more zone defense possessions than any other team. Uh, second most for any team in the playoffs in the last 15 years. Uh, if you go look at the Denver Nuggets versus zone. Man, they're, how about this? They're, they have a 121 offensive rating in the regular season versus zone defense. The best offensive rating in the NBA was 119. So versus zone defense, they have a better offensive rating than the best offensive rating in the NBA, which was the Sacramento Kings. So I don't know if zone's going to work that well against them. I mean, it will, it will at times. You discombobulate yeah, yeah, them yeah. and you throw it out tactically and strategically. But to throw it out like you did as a blanket defense almost versus Boston, they, they are much, they're a higher IQ basketball team than Boston.
2: Yeah, and they shoot better. They're be- they are better. They, they shoot better. They know how to attack the zone. Mm-hmm. They know how to make a guy be in the middle to get you out of that zone. And you have guys like a Jamal Murray. And, you know, one name that we never really talk about on this show, but deserves a little bit more credit is Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. Michael Porter Jr. is long. He's like KD long and he has good game, but He's so inconsistent at times. That is why people don't put him in there. Don't forget, at one point, people thought he was going to be the number one overall draft pick. And the reason why he ended up not being it was because of the fact that he always had back injuries. Mm -hmm. He had a big problem. So we'll see how this goes down. But Michael Porter Jr. is going to be somebody that you would definitely need to keep your eye on along
3: with the Joker and uh, Jamal Murray. No, and we're going to have to look at Aaron Gordon playing offense of if Love he's Aaron able Gordon. to – because that's the guy. If you're able to find someone else to put a body on Jokic and then Bam basically can help off of off of Gordon, and Gordon's going to sit in the corner and take those threes. If he's not hitting those threes, it really messes up trying to, trying to get that help defender to step back out and get a little bit further out closer to him. So they're going to test him early, I'm sure. Miami is, and yeah. go, man, are we able to just find one guy that we want to be taking the shot? Because we know we don't want Jamal Murray to take the shot. Michael Porter Jr., you just say, he's been playing really well. Yep. Of course you don't want Jokic to have the ball in his hands at all. Play- yeah, because yeah. he's a point guard. And then, <laughs> then you go, well, call the Pope, if we leave him open, we can get him hot, and if he gets hot, he goes, so Aaron Gordon's the guy that you want to have to take the shot, but if he starts hitting, yep. oof, but that's where I think you have to kind of lean off of him and they got to leave because He's a really good defender, but I don't, offensively, can he step up in this series?
1: That's a great point. And speaking of him, why they need why they need him so much? Uh, he was sitting down with uh, Malika Andrews, a really good interview, and talked to, talking with Aaron Gordon about how much of a linchpin he is defensively for them. And he's going to be matched up against Jim A. Playoff Kenny a lot of times. Here is uh, Aaron Gordon with Malika Andrews.
2: You are Aaron, the defensive anchor of this Denver Nuggets team. And in this, this this postseason, right, we've seen you guard LeBron James. You've seen you take on the defensive si- assignments of Carl Anthony Towns, of Kevin Durant, and now we have Jimmy Butler. What is it about you in each one of these assignments that makes it so you're the go-to guy?
4: Um I guess it's just defensive versatility. Mm-hmm. You know, I guard one through five, I can slide my feet, uh I can kind of like bang with the bigger bigger um, forwards. Um and then just kind of studying the game, you know, understanding what they're trying to get to, their tendencies. Um, you know, out of everybody that I've guarded uh, and that we've guarded in the playoffs, Jimmy could arguably be the most complete player mm. in terms of just the entire totality of the game. You know what I mean? In transition, and cuts, and offensive rebound, like the in-between game, offensively and then defensively as well. So... You know, it's a a challenging matchup, but I'm excited for it. I love it.
2: Do you go to Michael Malone and say, pick me. I want this. I want the other team's best guy.
4: No, I think it's kind of just like an unspoken, but I would if I had to, for sure. You know, um, like when other teams, like we got great defenders on this team. We got KCP. We got Bruce Bruce Brown. A couple other guys, Jeff Green can can really guard. And we got guys that can play good defense. But when somebody gets going and somebody's water is going, I take it on on myself to try and cut that person's water off.
1: Uh, I'll just say uh, in the research that I have past three years, Jimmy Butler versus Aaron Gordon, very small sample size, of course, because they don't face each other very often in different conferences, lower uh, points per 100 plays uh, versus Aaron Gordon. If you're talking about Jimmy Butler offensively versus Aaron Gordon defensively, uh, the points per 100 plays drops significantly. And so does effective field goal percentage drops significantly. So Aaron Gordon, just in a little small sample size, he's yep. been pretty effective uh, versus Jimmy Butler and Jimmy Butler, as he pointed out. I love that compliment though. He's faced LeBron, yep, not an aging LeBron. All right, LeBron and might an injured LeBron too. We learned later on, right? LeBron was dealing with an injury too. Um, he's faced some really elite offensive players in these playoffs, and he's saying now Jimmy presents you with as many problems as a, for a defender as any player in the NBA right now.
2: Just, oh, no doubt about it. Because I mean, he's so versatile, as as you were saying, he can play the three. He can score from the outside, hit you a three. He can get inside the lane and get to the bucket. He can hit you with the mid mid range. He gets rebounds. He can assist. He gets steals. I believe I saw a stat where he's the only the fifth person in NBA history to average uh twenty five points and three steals in games. He's got ten more steals than any other player in the playoffs. Right. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. And like he, he, he does leased, so much.
1: Yeah, and he leads the playoff in deflection. So yeah, yeah, he way more than just right. score. Yeah, no doubt. He's yeah. a no.
3: total player in the game. But this is where it comes to is we just had a texter ask, if Tyler Hero comes back in game three, does that really help? And he go, it does some. Well, they
2: said, it, I just
3: saw today, it's
2: game two, and it's going to be probably Sunday.
3: He's coming okay, back
1: Sunday. They need to two. rush him back. But yeah.
3: this, the thing is, the reality of how Miami has to play this Denver team is the same way the Lakers had to play them, which is you have to hold them to roughly around under 105. Like mm-hmm. 105 to 110 is kind of where the max allow you can allow Denver to score. And that's when it goes, yeah, you can try and outscore him, but if you try and run up and down and score with the best offensive team, you're normally going to come out on the bottom end, and you're going to come out on the losing end, and it's going to be 135 to 128. Mm-hmm. And, man, you put up 128 and you still lost. So Tyler Harrow helps because he helps you hit those big threes to keep you in the game. But really, defensively, what you can do to slow down Jamal Murray, slow down Jokic, get, make the rest of these supporting cast continue to put up bigger numbers – and rely on the weaker links to, to to push their offense, and it gets them down to 105, and then you can put up 110 and win the game. That's kind of where you need to be at. And so Tyler Hero helps because it, it's not going to hurt you. But at the same part, it doesn't matter. You're not going to outscore this Denver team to win the series. You may do it in the game. You're not going to do it to win the series because you're playing the best offense in the league. Uh,
1: and yep. to that point about the best offense, I'll give you a stat. Mind-blowing. If you're just looking at points – Per 100 uh, possessions in the regular season, the Nuggets were at 116.8. First round, they went to 117.2. Second round, 120.2, and then it's the conference finals. They were at 122.3. They've they've gotten better as an offense yeah. each round of the playoffs. That's crazy, it, and it's because Jamal yes. Murray has come out of nowhere. Yeah, and he's playing like an All NBA player. And I remember that stat we gave uh, that I gave you guys. Uh, earlier this year, about and it 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 really is kind of a it's a weird stat because it's more about the how injured some of the stars have been for Denver, but that Jokic has not played with a player who is All NBA um, All Star or All Defense. Like none of his teammates have have gotten those accolades. He's the mm-hmm. only he's the only MVP that's never had a teammate selected to All Star All NBA or All Defense. Yeah. But that's because Jamal Murray's been hurt.
2: Yep, he hadn't been. He hadn't been he able had been to been play this a guy whole season. He'd, played, yeah. he'd
1: been two All NBA players playing together, yep. and that is that's kind of the the weird distinction is now, they are a different team right now because they do have two true superstars, not just Jokic. They have Murray. Too. And it's yeah.
3: worth noting. I know the Lakers aren't the best team in the league. We can't say that, but they were one of the best defensive teams in the league. For them to up it against a really good defensive team in the Lakers is impressive.
1: And uh, to and this is my I think there there's one hope for Miami to stay in this series.
2: Let me hear it.
1: It's a three point shot, man. Oh yeah. It it, it and they have been. I'll give you these stats real quick before we get into this Jokic conversation. So the, the, the Miami Heat are shooting 39% from three-point range in the playoffs. But against Boston, that number was at over 43% as a team from three-point range. Versus the Bucks, it was at 45% from three-point range. They shot 34.4% from three-point range in the regular season. Good for 27th in the NBA. And now they're shooting 39%. That is the biggest jump from regular season to playoffs in three-point shooting in NBA history. <laughs> Miami hit 58% of their wide open threes in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's the best in the NBA in a playoff series in the last 10 years. 8 of their 10 players in rotation were hitting 35% or better from three-point range in the playoffs. These numbers are silly. I mean, they really I don't even I and I don't think know they were they were sustainable or not. Remember in that in that that series versus Boston in the Conference Finals. I remember this stat cuz it I wrote it down cuz it was so crazy. Miami took, uh, like, 92 threes. If you go look at that, those first three games, they took 92 threes and hit 47.8% of them. Uh, only 13 teams had ever converted over 50% of their threes on at least 20 attempts in a conference finals game, and they did it twice.
2: <laughs> see, and that's the other part of it too. They I, did it twice. I think that those numbers are are great, and they're gonna they're, they tell the story for them. That's what I was just but about if it to is, say. That, that's how they stay in the game. I want to see what their legs look like being in Denver. That's gonna be the other part for me. You know, we've talked about it. We haven't really leaned on the altitude and really dove into some of the numbers like some other people will. But the thing about it is when you look at that and you start looking at yourself and how you are are reacting to it, you said it earlier, you got there two days early. You didn't get there a week and a half early where you could be there and get acclimated. You're still trying to figure out how you're going to be able to move around from there. But here's the other thing. Your legs get heavy in those situations. You play big minutes, it's going to hurt you. You are not going to be able to sustain that. I don't believe we'll see a shooting performance like that. If we do, I apologize to you. But I know that it's going to be very difficult for them to keep up the pace, too. Because we know Miami plays at a very they play intense defense as well. So we're going to see how they adjust to how Denver plays their defense because Denver's defense is pretty doggone good too.
3: Yeah, and that's – I mean, because, yeah, he just said in Eric Gordon with Bruce Brown and Casey Peak can also guard out on that perimeter yeah. and help you out. But I, I agree with you. Close, it's, out. close it's not, out. It's not just hitting the threes. It's guarding the threes. Yep. That if you were able to slow down Denver, who's been shooting at a huge pace, mm, and slow it. down their guys at three-pointers as well – then all of a sudden that sways even more. So even if you're only shooting 42%, which is a really good percentage, but you're not shooting 50, you're shooting 42, but you hold them to 25, 26%, then now that's a bigger swing. Those percentages just need to have difference. Because if you shoot 50 and they shoot 50, you know. Yeah. You, can, you shoot all day and it's just our oh, in the game yeah, and, and he beat him everywhere else. You need to be able to have that swing on both sides.
1: That's a that's a great point. I agree. Um, Alright, so we're up against it. So when we come back, um, I want to get into a, con- a conversation about Nikola Jokic too. We'll listen to some sound from Big Shot Bob Robert Ori um, and it'll get us into a conversation about the all-time greatest big men, the GOATs among the big men in NBA history, but also we'll address the breaking news. Uh, the SEC has settled on a schedule, an eight-game schedule for Match for the 2024 season when Texas and Oklahoma will go to the SEC. We'll discuss that and give you details about it. All of that and more, right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn.
2: I'm as mad as hell and I'm not
4: gonna take this anymore!
0: Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start
2: getting real. You ain't keeping it
1: real! My God! Okay, it's happening! Everybody stay calm!
2: No, oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's oh. Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts.
1: All right, welcome back to Rod's Rant of the Day here on Ball Don't Lie, Four Nine The Horn. All right, now first I want to finish up our conversation about the NBA Finals. So i got a Nikola Jokic uh, take that we'll get into, and then we'll dive into the SEC eight-game schedule format. If we can't finish it all, then next segment uh, we'll just uh, continue uh, this uh, conversation about the SEC schedule if we don't get to it here, because this Nikola Jokic uh, conversation may be a little lengthy. So – I was listening to uh Showtime basketball podcast, and on the podcast there is uh, there was Robert Ory, Big Shot Bob, played for Rockets, played for the Spurs, played for the Lakers. He got into a conversation discussing the all-time greatest big men he played with. And I'll let Robert Ory tell you the rest, but it got me to thinking, and I'll tell you what it got me to thinking about after the audio. Here's Robert Ory.
0: All the other teams i played for, the one common denominator was great big men. Uh-huh. You know, think about Shaq, Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. And if you said right now, name the top five big men, I play with three of them. Yeah. 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 Who's So who's, who's who's who? You play with three of them. Well, Dream's talk number one shit. by yeah, far. Okay. We, are, we don't like to talk, nobody wants to talk about, I think you have these guys who are quiet. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Dream, you know, he's a really quiet guy. You can't get him to do much to say much. So we kind of veer away from him. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about him. But to me, if you look at What he put together, you know, defensive player of the year, MVP in one season, Mm -hmm. um, all-time leading shot blocker. You know those things that you look at his his history and what he's done for the game and where he how he started the game. You know this dude didn't play basketball growing up. Mm -hmm. Went to U of H where they went. You think about we all went to college where they're going to teach you U of H. They just rolled a ball out there and he went to work. Mm -hmm. And so I think what his body of work was just incredible, and he's just. A good dude too, man. That's uh, what you have to think about. A good dude. And people don't understand. You play with all of them, so your opinion is valid. You've been on the court with <laughs> all of them. Yeah, one with all he of them. them. So, so yeah, you yeah. got to respect that.
1: All right, I did not do, do this to throw it into Patrick's face.
3: Yeah, you know,
2: did. was that was that, <laughs> that uh, Stephen Jackson? Jackson? Yes, it that's was who Steven I Jackson.
3: thought it was. Yeah, it was with that all about smoker. Oh, was okay, was all, okay, yeah. okay, That's yeah, what yeah, I thought it was. The back part of was Steven Jackson,
1: who also you know. Did you say he's got some bad? So he said Bad now, Spurs, I saw recently,
3: that he has now said that he has squashed it. Oh, he's not a Spurs but hater he, anymore. So no. he yeah, was he
2: definitely at the top of the list of the Spurs haters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, he yeah. hated, he hated Pop. He, he
3: thought hated Pop. He, thought Pop. he thought Pop should have given him a max D de- or not a big contract okay. because he he was thought he was a very big part, which he was a big part. He thought he was bigger than Tony Imanu. No, he okay. thought he was a better player than no. Tony Imanu. Okay. He thought he should have been the number two guy on that team. All right, Stephen. That's what that's what it was. And so he didn't like Pop's coaching style. He didn't He's like any Steven. of that. Okay. He's a Steven now. I know. Okay. I
1: mean, I, 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 he was <laughs> a good player, but you are not.
3: he also didn't want to be coached. Yeah, yeah well yeah, but, he, yeah was, and that's not what's gonna work on the that. Spurs. Yeah,
1: Spurs, everybody get coached. Yeah. yeah. Tim, got yeah, coached. On I the Spurs. think
3: I think it so there was a lot of how he was coached when he was there, and yep. then the fact that when they let him go, they were like, Oh, yeah, we're not gonna pay that. He's like, What? You gotta help you win a ring, and y'all just gonna let me go? And they're like, Yeah. That's what uh, we do here. <laughs> uh,
1: yes, for what the Spurs do, man. They keep it moving. But uh, I just wanted to bring up, you know, obviously, we, we can get into the big man GOAT discussion. Robert Ory's opinion is Robert Ory's opinion. Um, but I do think the dream is uh, in that conversation, Definitely. no doubt. Uh, but it got me thinking because... You know, people are having the big the the, the big man conversation now because of Nikola Jokic. He's such an extraordinary talent uh, for his size and playing uh, playing center for the Nuggets. People call him kind of a point center, brand new term coming out because of Nikola Jokic. But when people start having the conversation like they just did on this podcast about all time great big men, Nikola Jokic's name in that conversation has not really penetrated just yet. Um, and I think it's about that time. Now, it may just be we're waiting on him to win a title, and then well, the narrative will shift. But I'll give you some numbers, gentlemen, to, to honestly display, or at least argue the point, that Nikola Jokic probably should already be in some of these conversations. Now, we know he's a back-to-back MVP winner, uh, which already puts him in rarefied air. But how about when it counts, right? The playoffs is what it's all about because it's all about winning championships and when If he wins the championship this year, uh, obviously these numbers may start to uh, come to the forefront. But how about this? If you look at players with at least 2,000 career playoff minutes, all right, players with at least 2,000 career playoff minutes, Jokic ranks 13th among that group in both assists per game and rebounds per game. Seven assists per game and 12 rebounds per game. No other player is even in the top 30 in both of those stats. No, about, other player. no other player. Larry Bird is the closest. He's 22nd in assists and 32nd in points. And if you're saying, uh, well, it's all about point, scoring points, well, Jokic is 6th in points per game <laughs> among that group for good measure because he's scoring 27 points per game. Bill Simmons has what he likes to call his 42 club. It's a pretty simple formula. The 42 club is basically players take their assists, rebounds, and points, and you add them all up. And if they, if that, if that total comes to more than forty-two, then you're talking about an all-time elite player, a great mm-hmm. player. Uh Jokic in his forty-two, his forty-two club. Jokic is second in playoff sums from his forty-two club, just adding together points, assists, and rebounds. Um, Wilt Chamberlain is first. Will mm. Chambers at 51 and a half. Jokic is at 46 and a half. Uh, Bill Russell and MJ, <laughs> respectively, are third and fourth. They're at 45.7. MJ's at 45.6. And LeBron's at 44.7. Mm. That's your top five. <laughs> yeah. Elite rarefied error, right? I'll give you some more. It ain't over. Among players with at least 1,000 career playoff shot attempts, Jokic ranks second in effective field goal percentage, with fifty-seven percent, uh, D- Dwight Howard's ahead of him. Uh, if you look at true shooting percentage, he is he is at sixty-one percent true shooting percentage. That is only behind uh, Kevin McHale and Kawhi Leonard, so he's third in true shooting percentage. If you look at just two-point percentage, he's actually in a fifth in two-point percentage, and he is second. In
2: three-point percentage. Second. In three-point percentage. Second. <laughs> he is a career 41% three-point shooter in the playoffs. And think about how them ugly shots that he's taken, <laughs> Clay, and he's knocked them down. Klay Thompson, Ray Allen, Steph
1: Curry are about one percentage point behind him. Mm. <laughs> he's it's, it's freakish. So let's go to clutch. Talk so about clutch, right? Clutch gene, clutch gene. In clutch situations, that's a clutch shooter, And we're talking about the score within three points in the last three minutes of a playoff game. He is 15 of 32. That would be 47%. That would be tied for fourth all-time among the 45 players who have at least 30 such attempts in a playoff game since 1996. So pretty damn clutch. How about overall plus-minus, box-plus-minus? All right, career playoff, box plus minus, another overall kind of, uh, you know, uh, expansive stat. Michael Jordan is at 8.8. Nikola Jokic at 8.1. That's 1 and 2. LeBron James is third, 7.5. And Steph Curry is fourth at 6.4. Ahead of KD and Magic Johnson. Player efficiency rating, PER, which is the all-encompassing measurement of a player's overall value career playoff leaders in play efficiency rating, Michael Jordan is second behind Nikola Jokic at 28.9. Michael Jordan is at 28.6. <laughs> LeBron's at 27.9 third, though. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it well, no matter what, what metric you're looking at, and by the way, he's one of the freakiest, freakier players Most players' PER actually drops from the regular season to the postseason because you're playing against better overall talent and it's a higher competition level, period. Um, He's one of those freaks that actually has a higher player efficiency rating in the playoffs than he does in the regular season. Uh, Luka's like this, too. Luka, Giannis is one of these guys. These are freaks where it's like they actually take their game to a higher level in the playoffs, and there are a few all-time greats who do it, and Jokic is also one of those freaks, too. So no matter which way you look look at it, he is a special kind of freak. Yeah. And um we yeah, he's gonna win a championship this year, I'm pretty sure of, it, even though I think I'm rooting for Jamie and I'll just because to try to keep balance on the show, both you guys are picking Denver to sweep. I guess I gotta be a, yeah, a little yeah, more yeah. on the side of the heat. But there is no doubt, man, Jokic. It's about time for him to get his flowers, and we are we been we are disrespecting that man because we're not talking enough about his greatness, and we
2: will once he wins the title. Well, and that's the other part of it too. When you start looking at some of these names, a name that I would expect to be in there a lot more would be uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, but he's not even in there as the not big man yet. As, as a guy who won a championship, won multiple MVPs. He's another guy that he's, I think gets underlooked uh, as well. But what Joker's been able to do—the unorthodox style, the silence that in which he plays with, the the unselfishness—I think is something that everybody's been looking at. But then you bring out those numbers and those stats. It's kind of like this dude is balling, bowling, like yeah. ball,
3: a- averaging a triple on, double during me the me playoffs. About goat
1: stuff. Yes, no, and, the and that's
3: the thing is I, I right now he is on the path to doing it. However, he's halfway on the path. Because he's got accolades he's got there. The thing is, can you keep it up for a decade? Can you put up these numbers for 10 years? Can you play into the second, your second decade of a career? Can you play into your 30s at this level of play? And and how many rings can you win? Can, exactly. you be a, can you be a champion? Yeah. So how many wins do you have? What's your win percentage overall? Yeah. Because there's guys like Steve Nash. Two-time MVP. Mm-hmm. At his peak, one of the best players in NBA history. But it took him a while to get there. And then it tapered off pretty quickly when the injury set in. So there's really like a five, six-year span where Steve Nash is in the conversation of one of the best guards in, all, in NBA history. But overall, you go, well, look at these – like, there's other guys who've had 15-year careers of greatness. Yep. So he can't be in that same group because he just didn't have that and he didn't have the wins. Karl Malone is up on the all-time scoring list. He's an all-time great in a lot of ways. Never won a ring, so he's not in these conversations.
1: All-time creep, too, but you're right. All-time, <laughs> yeah, all-time yeah. dirtbag. All-time yeah, dirtbag. No, you're right.
3: That's a good point. About say, I love your Steve Nash But that's saying the thing. Is there's a guys like that who yeah. had really big peaks, like Steve Nash, who just they fade, fade away. And with Jokic, you never know a body type like Jokic. All right, is he going to continue to work harder to keep the weight off because it's going to get more and more painful? We saw with Tim Duncan that he worked harder during the offseason later in his career because he was like, I'm in a lot of pain. And mm-hmm. the more I can do, keep weight off and keep stuff like that, then I can continue to play at the level I want to play at. I think Jokic has every bit of that in him. He's he, already lost some weight. Yeah. So the question is, can he continue that and stay healthy and stay on the court? If he does that, then, okay, well, now he's he's clearly in that conversation. Because you look at Akeem, who a lot of people put third out of those three guys, and he was a 12-time All-Star. Yeah, and he came in the league and it was rocking from day one. He had some longevity. And so and then his stats dropped off in those last two or three years where he was hurt, and then he went to Toronto. Yeah, yep. And and so longevity's hard for a big man. Longevity's and that's and your stats will man. drop off a little bit. Your averages will drop off because those last couple of years you're trying to do it, but you're just not the same player anymore. So there's that end of it where it'll taper off. But with the championships and the longevity, your your case is sealed.
1: No, I agree with you on that. I love that Steve Nash point you brought up. That that's probably if if you're a Jokic, that's what you don't want to be. You want yeah. you, you like the accolades, the individual, but you like it to the team to be able to maximize your potential in that window and win a title or two. Like that's why the Bucks and Giannis, at least they were if if, if Giannis does not become that guy, yes. at least hey, they they maximized his window though and got a title out of it. Yeah. Never did that with Nash. Never did and that with Never did it with
3: Nash. And Giannis and Jokic and Nash all the same thing where it co- mm-hmm. took them a few years to get going because they all weren't the top picks of sports, of course, Jokic's number uh, second over, second round pick. Yep. but none of those guys were picked out of college to be the guy, so it takes them a little while to find their footing, find the NBA, and so they don't have that thing that Tim did and Akeem had did and Shaq did, which was year one they're an all star, like year one they are stars in the league. Yeah, and those guys didn't have that, so they've got a different part of that longevity where their clock started later, later than everybody else's clock started. And they still have to kind of get those same accolades.
1: No, you ain't no kinder. You got to. I mean, But
3: nope. Jokic is only 28 years old. Yeah. So to say, can he go to 35 as a big man, if he continues to wait, that's not unbelievable that he could still play at a high level to 33, 34, 35. And
1: the Nuggets built this in a way that is sus- some- somewhat sustainable. Because yeah. they didn't build yeah. it in, a, in the in the kind of new age way of acquiring a lot of star talent via free agency, building a superstar team. It was more an organic build, which gives them more sustainability over time. So they the next four years are going to be crucial for for Jokic and his legacy. Because yep. I think that's when they're going to win. If they're going to win two, uh, multiple titles, it's going to be in the next four years. It's yeah, got to start is t-
2: this year. And the <laughs> other part of it is? He's got to have a healthy Jamal Murray with him, Amen or work.
3: or whoever else or they whoever put in. Yeah. yeah, Because but it may there may be a part in four guy. years, three yeah. four
2: years. When he goes somewhere
3: him. else, but they got to get another guy. Yeah. to feel. They that have that to have
2: a guy to be that guy, the the Batman and Robin that you've been talking about, the Batman versus Superman type of deal. Don't pull on the cape. Well, this is an opportunity where you're going to have to find a guy if you're not going to give that max contract or the big numbers to Jamal Murray. Even though I don't think you really have to do you because he hadn't made a first team All Pro. He hadn't so made he's a, not. It's not going to no. be. He'll still get paid, still paid, paid, but he won't
1: be. Yeah, it won't, won't be get the max. Yeah, he ain't yeah. making yeah. Dame Lillard money. Yeah. Stuff.
2: yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. Uh, all
1: right, uh, we come back. We'll talk about the SEC and the epic fail of the eight game format. Right here on Ball Don't Lie, one or horn. Welcome, Welcome back to <laughs> the Ball Don't Lie. It's the Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 Horn. It is the uh, new theme Thursday edition of Ball Don't Lie. That's when Patrick takes uh, certain songs, uh, and based on those selections, uh, Harsh and I are supposed to gather clues and hints, breadcrumbs, that lead us to the new theme of the day, and Harsh got it pretty easy this time. It's all about the NBA Finals. Every song is yep. referencing or talking about a storyline, a theme, a player, in these NBA finals, what did I hear? I heard what did I hear? Earlier? I mean, this
3: song's I technically about the the Denver Nuggets. This song's called "Jamal to the Joker."
1: I thought you he heard, I said Jamal, so it's actually about the Denver Nuggets.
3: Yes, this came out wow. I think like a month or two ago. Okay, but when I was looking for songs today, I was like, oh, this has got a good groove to it. That is – so even before this season, they made a song about Denver Nuggets? No, no, no. They made this song like a month ago. Oh, they so, just like, – okay. So going into the playoffs. How about I
1: say, they really were calling their shot. They do they were going to be pretty damn good. They ran a song. Okay, that makes sense then. Okay, they're feeling really good about the Denver Nuggets, yeah. Because uh, this is – I mean, the Denver Nuggets, have, this is their first time going to the NBA Finals, yes,
3: right? Yes, ever.
1: Ever. Yeah. So, yeah, first time for them, uh, and they're really excited about it. Uh, Texas, really excited, and so is Oklahoma about heading to the SEC but not really excited about this scheduling format, gentlemen. We'll continue this conversation, of course, going into the 6 o'clock when we go behind the burnt orange curtain, talk about Dylan Mitchell returning. Uh, We'll hear from CDC on Paul Feinbaum, talk Texas baseball, previewing their matchup versus Louisiana tomorrow. But this is the breaking news, gentlemen. Uh, 2024 scheduling format for SEC football has been settled. It will be an eight-league game schedule. Uh, and uh, that will be a six sixteen teams, but only no divisions, only eight league games. Those are the specifics. But you said, Harsh, that this is this is a temporary arrangement until they can come up with a more permanent
2: solution or yeah. option. Twenty twenty six is when they think it will be changed again because of the simple fact of the playoffs. College football playoffs, playoffs? will be in effect as well. So. You sit here and you look at that and you go, all right, what's next? What can they do? And I think this entire setup is a failure. I don't know why they wouldn't do it already. Why don't you put this in place already where you can already set up The rivalries, you can have everything moving forward. Are they looking for more expansion? Is there going to be something else that's going to be on the horizon again, probably? There's been talk of that from from the Big Ten side. Right. So So, there may be something else that is in there. But looking at the SEC, how many more teams can you add up in there? Remember the ACC, there's some talk that some of those members are unhappy. But they would like an
1: uneven revenue sharing because they think schools like Florida State and Clemson have been carrying that conference. Very much um, so. We know the Pac-12 is imploding as we speak. That's Bang. the point. I, <laughs> whatever exploding noise you yeah. want to make. Uh, but honestly, I'm with you, I don't see any point in terms of the actual uh, – product upgrade like this is not helping upgrade the product The whole point of texas oklahoma moving to the sec was the big the biggest baddest uh most uh, impressive
2: yep.
1: college football conference in the history of college football and they're all gonna play each other and that was gonna settle all of the the talk about where the best college football is played and who are the best college football teams i agree and now this move i'm with you um, it doesn't make a lot of sense in terms of improving the product, which means it's about money. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to go with the Ross Dellinger conspiracy theory that he said an extra game. And for those who don't know about the eight-game model, basically means 1-7, which means you'll play one opponent annually as your rival, and you will rotate seven other opponents. The 3-6 model, which is obviously you can hear Harge and I and Patrick prefer, is the model of three annual opponents you play every year, which are your rivals. Yep. Um, and then you would rotate six other opponents within the SEC every year. Um, They decided to go for now with the eight-game format. And like I said, Ross Dellinger, he hypothesizes that the extra game is worth $5 million a year per school. And if that's the case, why give the broadcast network – an extra game worth that much since it's an SEC game without having them compensate the SEC for that game. So maybe the temporary solution we're talking about here isn't permanent until they can negotiate extra money. Correct for that extra game, and then, like you said, twenty twenty six, they go, "Hey, we're gonna. We, our contract has been upgraded, and now
2: we're gonna go to a nine game schedule." Yeah, and and the other part about mm-hmm. it is too nine game format. Sorry. And and. <sighs> There's 16 teams in this conference. 16 teams in this conference. Are they thinking it's going to be eight and that's the balance of it? And that's why they're, oh, there's eight on this side, eight on this side. Let's go out there. But there's no sides. There's no no divisions. There's no divisions. So why are we doing this in this process? If you want to change it again later on, then do it that way. But give us the nine now. To see what yeah, it looks like. That's a good point. Why why not if you're going to if you're going with temporary
1: solutions, yes. why
3: not give us the 9 now and then you can go back to the 8 then. and you can flip it back if you need to. But you know the answer cuz it's about money. No, <laughs> no. It's about money and it's about, about Nick money. Saban, who don't want to play Hard teams. He wants more (laughs) gimme games. That's just that's what they've wanted for the past ten years. They're getting two teams into the college football playoffs with four teams consistently playing two or three patsy games a year. Why would you change a formula that works if it gets you into the games you want? No. And if Nick Saban wants it and Kirby Smart wants it, then they can convince everybody else because they just walk in there and go, "Well, do you want to you want to hurt the SEC? You want to hurt the brand?" Because if, if we're not in the playoffs with two teams, we're not the big brand. If you want the Big Ten to take us over because they're playing a lighter schedule, no, nah, we got to stay strong and just play patsies and play yep. easy teams every – that's all. I mean, that's a lot of it. I think money is part of it, and it helps sell it that you can go to the smaller teams and go, hey, man, uh, you you do this, and then uh, and uh, it'll it'll get you more money later. So we're playing the long game. And then you go to Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and you go, hey, do you want an easier road to the, the championship game? And they go, yes. Of course yeah. I do. I want more wins every year because I make more money if we the more games we win. And the ADs know that's true, and the coaches know that's true. And what they'll say is uh, and, and when people argue, well, you put
1: cupcakes on your schedule um, instead of playing yes. a true SEC yes. schedule where well, you're playing the toughest opponents in the country, and they'll say, well, the SEC schedule is the toughest in
3: yeah. the country, so it doesn't matter that's what they've been saying if for we 10 have years. an extra
1: cupcake. Yeah, we deserve an extra cupcake game. Yeah,
3: that's what they've been saying for 10 years. <laughs> we just used to make fun of it when it wasn't us. And now we're going into it, we're like, oh, you're uh, making us look bad. it Yeah, well, I do think it'll happen at one point. But, yeah, it's
1: now for other reasons. That there's I, a different motive.
3: I, I think it'll happen when they the get, college ball playoffs inevitably make the regular season a little bit less impactful. And they'll have to add in a little bit more to, to spice up some of this. Because to, yeah. when yeah. it goes to 16 games and they're getting five teams in, and they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. There's a two-loss team that gets in. They'll be like, oh. We, we kind of got – because now you can lose two and still make it. I mean, they're going to 12, what, in
1: two years? What, we, were we two years away from the expansion? Yeah, two
3: years. Yeah. I mean, that's – And
2: one year away from Texas joining it. And so it's only going to be one year that they're going with this schedule for 2024, and then, boom, there you are again. Why,
1: why, why? And the SEC bias that Patrick mentioned, you're going to have that anyway. Yeah. The SEC – the SEC's got, what, half the damn teams that are hosting regionals are from the SEC. The SEC's yeah. got to get the benefit of the doubt most of the time anyway. Agree. They want yeah. more of
3: it. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yes. <laughs> Do billionaires want more money? I, yes. <laughs> does Nick Saban? Does Nick Saban want to crush every team under his under his boot? Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, you're
1: right about that. Yeah, that makes more sense. All right, we'll come back. We'll discuss more of that as well. We'll hear from a CDC, Chris Del Conte, on Paul Feinbaum. Discuss Dylan Mitchell returning to the 40 Acres and Texas. Baseball versus Louisiana. All of that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 9, the Horn.